0: feed my spirit. I was to okay. You are a specter from the gods. Walk with me. Alright, you're listening to Wait You Were Mormon with Devin Brown. I'm your host, Devin Brown. And for episode 27, we've got the very lovely Jake Christensen. He opens up about his early life in Idaho his mission to Brazil, how his state president shattered his shelf, and of course, much, much more. Once again, if you haven't already, please be sure to check out www.waityouweremormon.com for access to all previous episodes, as well as all of my social links. And it's very easy to use on a phone, so while you're there, why not share a favorite episode with a family member or friend? They might enjoy it, and I would definitely appreciate it. Now enjoy the episode, but then, uh, yeah, just kind of jumping into it. Can you introduce yourself? Who are you? Where are you from?
1: Um, my name is Jake Christensen. I'm from Eagle, Idaho, uh, right outside Boise and, uh, currently work as a filmmaker uh at harman brothers making mostly funny video ads like squatty potty poopery purple mattress lumi deodorant those are a couple that we've made and yeah so
0: nice is that related to the grocery stores at all no it's not no just just coincidence (laughs) (laughs) yeah i do love harman grocery stores though i gotta i gotta admit they're some of the nicest i've ever Encountered in my life, especially the yeah. one in downtown Salt Lake City, but uh, yeah, those commercials yeah, are fun too. I like those, uh, the purple mattress commercials.
1: Thanks oh yeah. Like, Thanks, yeah
0: I'm going to rob the, I'm going to rob your house and then I fall asleep. Just cause oh, your mattress yeah, is so okay. good. Yeah. I love that. Um, but yeah, I totally, uh, cut you off, but you said you were from uh, Idaho. Yep. Yep. Um, so did you grow up in the church or? Is it something yeah, that kind born of came and
1: raised, you? born and raised in the church. Um, I, yeah, loved it, um, and yeah, it was, it was a good time until it wasn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I totally understand that. But uh, <laughs> did you uh, end up serving a mission?
1: I did. Yeah, I served in the Sao Paulo, Brazil, North mission,
0: right. and.
1: The best six months of my life. Six no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went the full two. So nice, Thank nice, you. nice.
0: Yeah, can you tell me? A, <coughs> can you tell me a joke in Portuguese? Just gonna put you on the spot. Portuguese. I'm kidding. I'm not gonna put you on the spot like that. Uh, <laughs> but um, did you did you say you had brothers and sisters or anything like that?
1: Uh, yeah, I've got four siblings. So I have three sisters and one brother.
0: Uh, is your brother older or younger? Younger. Younger. Okay. Did he end up going on a mission? Did he go to Brazil as well? Uh, he went to Mexico City. Mexico. Okay. What did you think yeah. of uh, Brazil? Were you scared? Were you excited?
1: Uh, yeah, I was, I was a little scared. I was mostly excited. Like, I think that I always wanted to go on a mission, you know? Mm-hmm. It, was just, it was never not my plan. And so... Uh, I went, I was stoked to go, uh, got there, Portuguese was really hard, and mm-hmm. the first couple months were freaking hard, but uh, going home early was just, like, never an option in my mind. Mm-hmm. I've always been, like, growing up in Idaho, like, I always worked a lot with, like, different cattle ranchers and farmers around and stuff like that, so... Hard work has never been mm. something that's been like, I don't know, difficult for me. Yeah. And so, yeah, worked really hard on on the mission Brazil and it was good.
0: What um, I know Brazil's a big place, got a lot of missions, pretty diverse. What is what was Sao Paulo North like? Was it more rural? I mean Sao Paulo is a big city. Were you actually in the city? Were you out on the outskirts?
1: Yeah, I started out in the outskirts, uh, in a place called Sorocaba, uh-huh. and I was out there for roughly the first year or so, and then I came into uh, the city of Sao Paulo, and I was in the in the city itself for the rest of my mission, and it was crazy. I learned I am definitely not about living in a big city. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> it was, it was rough.
0: you actually preferred being kind of more in the outskirts more rural area yeah yeah for sure what was uh what was crazy about it just the hustle and bustle or did you see some wild stuff uh didn't see anything like
1: too wild um i don't know heard gunshots a couple times oh actually one time i did see like a guy on a motorcycle running from the police and then a police car just came out of nowhere and like T-boned him. There's two guys on the motorcycle and he hit knocked both the guys off the motorcycle and the police jumped out of the car grabbed the guys handcuffed their hands to their ankles and then threw them in the back of a police car and took off like put a police suburban and took off, wow. and it all happened in like 18 seconds. And I was like, "What the freak Jeez. was that?"
0: <laughs> were they like all mangled up, like getting t-boned on a motorcycle? It seems.
1: Oh yeah, dude, they were messed up, and, and they, it straight, didn't even straight to prison, to...
0: straight to jail any other yeah. way.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: That is yeah, wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, what were uh? What was the cuisine like?
1: Um, it was great food, man. I, I really liked it. Uh, got pizza there often at night. And then it was beans and rice every day for lunch. And Lunch is like the main meal. And I got really sick of beans and rice multiple times. But then would always come back and just have to keep liking them because I had that every single day. Uh-huh. <laughs> and oh go ahead yeah the the fruit was way good loved
0: it were you able to get um care packages often at all was that uh was that allowed even
1: uh yeah it was allowed to get care packages got a decent amount like the fam and stuff nice
0: nice i remember uh hearing a story from one elder i I served in uh, ghana in uh, west africa oh nice and uh this elder got a package big package was really excited to open it up and it was full of like white rice and just a <laughs> bunch of like bull crap like that you know what i mean that you could just easily get on the street and it's just like oh, yeah i've been, been expecting this for for weeks and it's a white white rice cool perfect do, cool do the, lot, do the research before you, you send packages yeah. out for anyone <laughs> about to do it right. um man um, what was the, uh, what was kind of some of the biggest struggles for you? You mentioned it was pretty tough, but, uh, what in particular?
1: Um, I had, I had this companion who I like couldn't stand. He like drove me nuts and, uh, I just like kept praying to like learn how to love him. And one day Uh, it was like two weeks after we had been like put together as companions and uh, one day we were walking on the street and I like said a joke and he like laughed at it and then he like said a joke back and I laughed at it and we just started we were just like joking all day long and laughing all day long and that day the switch just like flipped and I freaking loved him and it felt like such like a miracle and it was just like so cool all of a sudden i just like loved this elder and then it was probably a week or two after that that uh he decided he needed to confess something and he went to the mission president and confessed something and the mission president they sent him home from the mission and When I got the phone call that he was going home, man, I remember just like I was inside some member's house house over there for dinner and I walked outside for the phone call and then I just like collapsed on the ground crying. It was just so like, I mean, I love this elder so much and I knew that he was that he was about to go through so much pain you know like i can't even imagine how hard that would be to be sent home from a mission and the shame and the pain that comes with that and it just broke me that was that was probably the hardest day or several days of my mission was when he got sent
0: home Mm -hmm. and uh you mentioned kind of wanting to go home early a little bit but just you know not being able to Would your parents have like kind of shamed you or treated you badly or like your ward or anything like that?
1: I mean, when I left, one of the last things my dad said to me was, "If you come home early, it better be in a body bag." (laughs) And uh, I mean, he he said it. He was joking, but like kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, (laughs) um. Which I honestly, at, at the time, I wouldn't have come home except in a box bag. So yeah. I was like, "Yeah, you're right. I'm with you." Um, I mean, had I come home early, I think that they would have been very loving towards me, and it just it would have been incredibly difficult,
0: you know. Yeah, so. yeah I know there was uh, like a group of us that left. Um, I went to Ghana. A like guy went to Zimbabwe. And then another kid from the ward went to Mexico. But uh, one came home, like, within, like, two months or something. And I remember Mm -hmm. my mom just telling me, like, everybody just, like, gave him, like, such a cold shoulder. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I'm with you, like, uh, that poor guy, like, Mm -hmm. going home early, having to face that. Because that is real, some of that that mistreatment. Like, not all the time, obviously. There's no absolutes. Right. I definitely wouldn't have wanted to face it myself mm-hmm. but um, um what. what was kind of one of the uh more positive aspects of your mission like what uh did you learn any skills that you still use today obviously you learned a language
1: right uh, yeah it was really fun learning portuguese um i learned uh Oh, I learned a lot about myself, I would say. Going Mm -hmm. to a foreign country like that, having to adapt. Uh I was able to be happy for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um in a situation where I was, you know, just working and um in a very difficult situation far away from my family. Like I learned that I can I can uh Withstand a, a lot, I guess, uh-huh. um, and and I feel like I genuinely did like I grew to like love the people of Brazil, and I really cared about them, and I, I I've all I, I feel like I've always had like a soft spot for the poor, but mm-hmm. that was just amplified so much more on on the mission, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so it was, I don't
0: regret it. Yeah. I don't regret going on a mission. Yeah. Um what was kind of a Were you received well like in your areas? I know the churches had a presence in Brazil for a long time, but are they are they still right. really like receptive to the message or
1: Um I mean I had some areas, uh, most of my areas had been every door had been knocked on, you know. Oh. And um uh I Oh, we were received pretty well. I don't know. We got received by like someone, you know. We got in a house every single day and taught a lesson uh-huh. uh, for the most part. And so I mean, plenty of rejection. So so much, yeah. <laughs> but but we were able to always look at the the wins and say positive about it. So yeah.
0: yeah. So you'd say overall, like you don't regret it, but it was pretty pretty positive two years. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, I would say it was a, it was pretty positive two years.
0: Nice, nice.
1: nice. I mean, obviously, if I could go back, I would do things differently. Mm But, um, but
0: yeah. Have you ever had dreams that you have to go back, do it again, serve a second? Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, for sure. (laughs) I (laughs) love any dreams.
0: How do you feel when you wake up?
1: (laughs) Um pretty freaking relieved uh-huh. i don't know at times there was something that was just like nice about the mission where it was just life was just so simple
0: you uh-huh. know
1: it was just wake up and just go talk to people and just teach them and i've always liked talking to people and so yeah i i, I still do miss like that simplicity of life you know like there's uh-huh. just so few worries and it was just yeah go out and you know exactly what you're doing every day and and now life is just so much more complicated. I mean, life is still so good, and yeah. I wouldn't want to go back to that, but I do miss that aspect.
0: Yeah. Have you um, managed to go back to Brazil at all since you've been home?
1: I haven't. Not yet, but I still really want to. Yeah, same.
0: You haven't been back to Ghana? I haven't been back. I'd like I'd like to go. But there's also yeah. that other part of me where it's like... Uh, if you're throwing down the money for a plane ticket, it's like, I kind of want to go somewhere like I've never been before. Mm, right. Kind of like, uh, but yeah, you know, it's kind of almost so. like a catch-22, but the cool thing about right. uh like Orem and Provo is like a lot of Brazilians there. Do you, get yeah. to, do, you get, do you get to use Portuguese like often?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was just at the gym on Friday last week mm. and there's a girl and she introduced herself and she had a bit of an accent and I was like, are you from Brazil? And she's like, yeah. And so I got to start talking to in Portuguese. Mm-hmm. So any chance I get, I'll practice it, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't get a ton of opportunities, but I take everyone I can.
0: Especially attractive women in gyms. Uh-huh, ah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see That's fine. But um, how long uh, have you been home from the Mish?
1: Um We're at a Decade Nice
0: <laughs> I I would have guessed maybe like four years or something
1: Yeah
0: You, you got yeah, it. yeah to you.
1: Yeah I kinda got a baby face But yeah I've been home for ten years now
0: Nice How long have you been uh, out of the church?
1: Um A year and a
0: half Ish Okay pretty, yeah. It's pretty fresh still
1: yeah still decently fresh Yeah, not quite a year and a half a year and three months yeah year and three
0: Mm -hmm. so you have this this fun mission it's this positive experience grow up Mm -hmm. loving the church everything's good how do you find yourself in in post-mormon life
1: (laughs) great question um let's see where do we start uh it, it all let's see. I had one experience that was really powerful, uh, when I was I think I was twenty nine, where uh I was I met a guy who was transgender. Mm-hmm. Um, his name's Emmett. And uh Emmett told me his story. He was born a woman and uh served a mission as a sister missionary and uh, then came home, went to the OU, Idaho and eventually decided that he had to make a transition. And hearing his story was just super powerful to me and I remember him saying that, you know, he wasn't he's had like surgery to remove breasts and everything like that. And so he's not allowed in the temple and I remember coming away from that from that experience talking with him and just being like I want him in the temple with me. Like, why isn't he in the temple? And that was like uh, a pretty big thing that I put on my shelf. Um, and then when I uh, turned 30, uh, I had an experience where, or soon after I turned 30, I met with a therapist and the therapist asked me why do you hate yourself and i'd never told him that i hated myself you know i just kind of told him just by the way i was talking about myself he asked me that question and the question honestly really caught me off guard and i was like well i don't hate myself i just know i'm a piece of shit (laughs) and he was like okay uh how do you know you're a piece of shit and am I allowed to say shit on here
0: Yeah, you can. Okay, cool. yeah I' just thinking, I'm just thinking if you like <laughs> release like a self-help book, like how do you know if you're a piece of shit? Yeah. I, I think it would sell. <laughs> yeah,
1: dude. It's a great title. <laughs> um, but so I, I couldn't answer his question that day. I like had to like think about it and after a month or so I'm just like, Pondering on that question, how do I know I'm a piece of shit? (laughs) I, I eventually, uh, came to the conclusion that I had been, you know, in this church for my whole life and I was trying my hardest to do everything that they said, but because I wasn't able to do everything that they said, I was constantly told I wasn't worthy. because I looked at porn or I masturbated or I touched a girl's boobs or really just those things. <laughs> 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 Never had any word of wisdom issues. It was, it was just those things. <laughs> and, <laughs> <usually> uh, suspects. <laughs> yeah. And which, I mean, at the time I was a 30 year old virgin. Like, like I was a thirty-year-old <laughs> That's so
0: close to forty.
1: <laughs> I know oh, it's so man. close, and it's like I don't know. And I was getting in trouble because I like masturbate. It's like, well, guess what? I'm a thirty-year-old virgin. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm about to explode. Like, what? What do you want me to do here? And I mean, it wasn't. I didn't have that attitude about porn and masturbation. Hmm. I, I was like, oh, I, I that's. I felt like I was a piece of shit because I looked at those things where I did those things and I was told that I wasn't worthy and that I wasn't clean, you know, to go to the temple or to take the sacrament. Mm-hmm. And thus I was dirty like unto a piece of shit. And so it's very easy. I can see the path in my mind so clearly now, of like what led me to that point. And and ultimately I realized after like that question from my therapist that I, I hated myself. I really, I did. That he was absolutely right and that I, I had been hating myself for years. And, uh, because for years I had been battling this, you know, it wasn't ever just okay in my mind. I was going to, I was at the therapist for that reason, you know, like I was going to therapy. I'd gone to like the church's 12 step, programs uh, I had uh, prayed all night long like Enos. I had uh, I had done so many things for I mean a decade for my whole 20s I had tried so many things to overcome this and ultimately at the end of the day I just ended up hating myself because I I, I wasn't able to and and so that was that was a big deal for for me to to realize that okay this thing that I'm in is actually harming me and so at that point I started to um I, I my therapist was like what what do you think you should do about this and I was like I think I'm just gonna stop talking to my bishop and I'm just gonna talk to God mm-hmm. and I'm gonna tell my bishop everything's cool and I'll just work things out with God and I'll decide with God if I'm worthy or not and from like the moment I decided that my life started getting better uh. and I was like oh this is this is interesting I guess. I'm doing something that's different than what I was taught in the church and, uh. and now my life is getting better but at the same time I did not want to believe. you know I was I was terrified to, to leave and um, so I, I went home one weekend and I sat down with my whole family and I was like hey uh, I'm I'm struggling with my testimony and I need your guys' help and I just talked with them about like how I've been dealing with this shame for so long and it was just such like a painful thing to me and i feel like that the church is wrong and like why do they have to tell people they're not worthy like Uh that is a shameful thing to say to someone like you're not worthy like Uh oh man, that is just oh that hurts Uh you know and it it broke me like it just Being told that every couple months, you know, I mean, I wasn't always not worthy, but I was worthy unworthy. I was not worthy about half the time. I would say Mm -hmm. Um, six months out of the year I wasn't worthy, and it was like every other month. I don't know. And the thing is, I mean, I was I was doing everything. You know, I was reading scriptures, saying prayers. I was going to the temple when I could, and even when I wasn't worthy, I would go and just sit outside the temple. I'd read my scriptures, and I would mostly just. Lead with God to to change me, you know. I would Tell him just turn it off, like just turn off my sexuality. I don't want it. Just turn it off, like I would beg God to just turn this side of me off. And and at the time I was, you know, I, I do stand up comedy and and I, I would write jokes about being a thirty year old virgin, <laughs> and Like one of my, one of the jokes I would say is like, for those of you in the audience who don't know what it's like to be a 30 year old virgin, which I'm guessing is most of you, uh, it's kind of like if everyone around you was eating cheeseburgers and you were like, man, those look amazing. I would love a cheeseburger. And then you don't have one for 30 years. Like it's, it's a little bit like that. <laughs> and I would say, which some people ask me why I don't, you know, why I'm waiting, what I'm waiting for. And I, I've, the reason why I still haven't had a cheeseburger is because I was told by my church that I would be happier in my life if I waited until I was married. And I just want you all to know that I believe that, less and less every day. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was, like, writing jokes around, like, this super painful thing in my life, trying to, like, be okay with it. And and it was just it was so hard. I feel like I've got kind of gotten off track a little bit. <laughs>
0: No, I mean, like was there that's that's a pretty heavy item on the shelf, obviously, like all of this internalized, you know, shame, it's affecting you in ways you don't even realize, you know and that's how deep it it goes. Um, mm-hmm. you know, did you run into something else or like was just experimenting and changing your lifestyle what kind of really toppled the shelf over? Um, so after talking with
1: my family, they all were like, for the most part, they were, they were good as I talked with them and they, uh, gave me kind of like their explanations and everything like that. And one thing that helped was they just agreed with me. They were like, yeah, I think that they shouldn't use the word unworthy. And I was like, right. Okay, cool. We all like can agree this is an issue. And so we can all like, let's try and like figure this out. I don't know. Like, uh-huh. let's try and like get this changed or something. And like, that kind of gave me hope, uh, it helped me stay in the church for another six months or so. Um, but eventually I was like, you know what? I just, I have to know if this church is true. Uh-huh. And I figure there's two ways that I could actually know you know because at that point I realized like you know you can pray and I could pray about the Bhagavad Gita I could pray about uh the Quran and like I could read those books and I could pray about them and feel good and be like oh yeah these are true books and and so I decided that the only way I could actually know if this one was like the, the true religion was either God I pray and God or an angel or something shows up and tells me that it's true, you know, then I would know. Um, Or option B is I leave that religion and I try out other ways of life. You know, I try out other religions and other things. And, uh, you know, in order to know what flavor of ice cream is your favorite, you got to try multiple flavors of ice cream. And until that point, I had only tried one flavor of ice cream for 30 years. I was just shoveling in that vanilla ice cream and just like, this is my favorite flavor. This is my favorite flavor. Like, I, just, I was just so set on like, there's no other option of what could be a better flavor. And so I was like, I prayed like crazy trying to get God or an angel or some like clear sign that It was true, and I wasn't getting that. And so eventually I was like, you know, I got to go with the other option. I got to just try out other ways of life. I got to try out other religions. I got to try other things and see if that makes me happier. And it's kind of funny because I was like, I was so sure that the church was true. Even though I was having these doubts, I was like, but it's true. And so I was like, I'm going to leave for a month. I'm just going to go for like a month and I'm going to try out other ways of life. And I'm so sure that I'll, I'll be like miserable and I'll be like, surrounded by darkness and I'll be, and I'll be sad. And like, then I'll know for sure. Like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. And then I'll be able to like come back and I'll have this awesome testimony and I'll like come into the church and I'll be like, Hey, I'm back, and people will be like, "Oh man, like you're back," and and I'll have this dope testimony story that I'll be able to tell in sacred meeting about when I tried life outside and how it was. Like I was just so sure that it was true, and that that's how it was going to be. And um, uh, but I was still like so scared to try this experiment, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day I was listening to a podcast by dax shepherd called armchair expert fantastic podcast highly recommend it and on it he had this guest on and she said something and then she's like well actually it wasn't like that and she kind of was like rephrasing what she said and dax goes it's okay you're allowed to make mistakes here mm-hmm. and actually mistakes are encouraged because that's how we learn and actually, I don't know if he said it that because that's how we learn part. I think I have that on my mind. Um, but when he said that to her, I just felt God or, or my inner light, whatever you want to call it, like say that goes for you too, Jake. Like it's okay. You're allowed to make mistakes here. You can, you can leave this church and you can try out other ways of life. Like it's okay to make mistakes. That's mm-hmm. how we learn. And at like that moment i was like i don't know that just hit me so hard and i was like okay i have i have to do this experiment and so the next day i walked into a coffee shop walked up to the barista and i was like hi my name's jake i was mormon until yesterday and i have never drank coffee <laughs> what kind should i get <laughs> And she was like, Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Congratulations. Okay. So here's the kind of you get and just like started going off and was like super nice and super cool. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And like, I got this cup of coffee. I walked outside the coffee shop. I took a sip and then I said a prayer and I was like, God, is this bad? If this is bad, I will dump it out and I, I won't finish it. And, like, the feeling I got was, like, I don't care what you drink. Go help people. And I was, like, Whoa, damn. I'm like, that is awesome. I freaking love that. So I kind of just, like, started with, like, a clean slate. And, like, I was still keeping God involved, you know. But I was just, like, God, I'm, I'm going from – from nothing right now okay yeah. is this bad is this bad like guide me lead me i'm just listening to what you say and no one else and and that's how it I, it started
0: you <laughs> left the coffee shop and went to the liquor store Walk straight. Like, man coffee place. and vodka same day I don't care <laughs> hell yeah
1: I mixed them and <laughs> I was like this is awful but <laughs> exciting <laughs>
0: oh man um did you like how far away did you drive like to go to a coffee shop where no one could see you
1: uh it was one just right down the street from my office so you're so. like whatever
0: if someone sees yeah. me, they see me
1: yeah, I wasn't I wasn't worried about that. Um yeah, I just went to the nearest one. And it's still my favorite coffee shop to this day. called Rugged Ground. It's in Provo. Nice. So anyone in that area that's listening, <laughs> hit up Rugged Ground.
0: Rugged Ground, hell yeah.
1: Yeah. It's way good. All
0: right. So what was kind of the next step in the like experimentation process? you realize uh, like he's not really caring about it's more about actions and doing good uh-huh
1: yeah so uh like r- right off the bat it was like my life felt different and it was kind of like an exciting thing you know it was mm-hmm. like oh my gosh like i'm going into uncharted territory like i've never been and like i've never drank coffee and and um When I drank alcohol for the first time, that was like a strangely spiritual experience for me (laughs) where all of a sudden I like drank alcohol and all of a sudden I felt like something in me shifted. Uh And I I used to describe it as saying all of a sudden, like I, I realized that people who drank alcohol weren't bad that's like the simplest way of putting it. it was all of a sudden i was like oh my gosh these people aren't bad i think the more accurate way of putting it though is that i had myself on a pedestal like in my mind in my whole i don't know whatever i had myself on a pedestal and i just felt like uh i i felt like i was better than people who drank because mm-hmm. i had never drank And I had no idea I was on this pedestal. Like, my whole 30 years active, I would never say I had myself on a pedestal like this. I I didn't know that I was up there until all of a sudden the pedestal dropped. And all, all of a sudden, I was like, whoa, something's different. And I, like, loved everyone. Like, I just felt this love for everyone who drank. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I'm not better than them. They are great, wonderful, amazing people. And... It was like, it, it was a super spiritual experience. And then I had like another one similar when I walked into a bar for the first time, just with the intention of drinking. And I walked to this bar and like, I was kind of expecting it to feel like this like dark mm-hmm. place. I don't know. And I walked in and I looked around and I like wanted to cry. I just felt so much love for everyone in there. Like it was, it was this beautiful, Beautiful experience, <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like that's not a common thing. Like, <laughs> if anyone's listening to this has never drank and you go out and drink, tomorrow, don't expect a spiritual experience because that's not uh common. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think you left out some mushrooms or something in the story. Like, okay,
1: we'll get there. We'll
0: get there. <laughs> this guy's micro dosing on his way to the bar or something, maybe.
1: right? No, it was just. It was just a really cool experience. Um and so it took it took about two weeks I would say of being in the experiment before I was able to look back at the church and see it for what it really was. You know, like I I had been on it I'd been on this bus for thirty years and I'd only been inside it and when I got off it and I looked back and I saw it for what it really was. And I was like, oh, that's that It looks a lot different from the outside than it did from the inside, okay. you know. And um, I I, I try not to. Uh, I'm intentionally try not to say anything that like, craps on the church or anything like that. Um, um I won't say it, I look back and it. I mean, it looked like a cult. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying it is a cult but I just looked back and I was like, that looks like a cult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I don't, I, I, I say it hesitantly because I, I just don't ever want to offend anyone who is still in the church and everything like that. Uh, so I love so many people who I love and admire uh, that are in it. And they are genuinely great people. So during that, the, the month of December of 2019, um, I kind of like decided I was done. It was like end of October, beginning of November of 2019, uh, is when I just, that's when I started the experiment. Um, I wish I knew what day it was I went to that coffee shop. It had to have been like October 20th-ish, right around there. Um, but, uh, um, in that December, my bishop was like reaching out to me and, uh asking you know why i wasn't coming to church and everything like that and eventually called me into his office and um i went in there and i sat down and he asked me you know like why haven't you been coming Uh and uh, i was like well I'm, i'm doing this experiment and and i explained my experiment to him And he wasn't a huge fan of the experiment. (laughs) He's like, well, you just need to like pray and everything like that, you know? And I was like, yeah, I get that. And I've been doing that. But this experiment has also just been teaching me an insane amount. And it's just been the coolest thing Mm -hmm. ever. And he was like, oh yeah, that's it. I'm so glad that you, that I called you in to like talk with me about this. Because like, um, yeah, it's so interesting that I called you in at this time, and I was like, "Yeah, it is." Did my mom call you? <laughs> and he was like, "Well, uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I was already planning on calling you in before she called me." <laughs> like he's kind of trying to make it seem like he had received revelation to call me in because I was going through this when. I was like, I'm pretty sure my mom just called you. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, yeah, she did.
0: <laughs> Which
1: was kind of <laughs> funny. Um, But then there was like a really cool, I had like a really cool revelation in that meeting with my bishop where he was like, hey, so is there like anything you want to talk with me about? and i was like i mean yeah like i i, I I'm, i've been exploring these other religions and it's like really cool and i like love talking about it and he was like well i mean is there anything you want to like confess and all of a sudden i had this like thought hit me and i was like you know what's interesting bishop is that when christ was on the earth Someone asked him, what's the most important commandment? And he said, love God, love your fellow man, and love yourself. Love your fellow man as yourself, but you can't love your fellow man as yourself if you suck at loving yourself. So love God, love your fellow man, and love yourself. And I was like, and what's interesting is that in 30 years of coming in for these interviews, not one time have I been asked, how are you doing with loving God? How are you doing with loving your fellow man? And how are you doing with loving yourself? Like, why are you asking me what sins I've committed right now? Instead of asking me about the most important commandment. Uh And the bishop was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like I haven't thought of it like that. Um, yeah, but um, but so are you struggling with like porn or anything? And I was like, Wait, did you just did you hear what I said? Like I like I want to focus on love and like I and I just told him like, look Bishop, um, I've had many conversations with bishops about different things in my life, and right now, uh, and I just don't feel comfortable talking with bishops about those things anymore. Um, it's caused me to hate myself and I'm trying to love myself. And so, uh, I just don't want to talk with you about that if that's okay. And he was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got, that's fine. And then, um, and then I just kind of was like, what, why do we not talk about love more? Like, why is that not our number one topic of conversation? And, uh, he didn't really have a great answer. For me and um, I ended up asking if I wanted to teach Sunday school and I was like yeah I I would love to teach Sunday school that's like my favorite calling in the church is teaching Sunday school like I love it for me is I get to like practice stand-up while I'm doing it you know like I get to write jokes and different things and (laughs) try and make the lessons really fun like that and and I'd always I don't know I put a lot into my Sunday school lessons Mm -hmm. of like Jokes keep it entertaining, but then, like, thoughtful questions, you know, deep thoughts. I don't know. And I just, I loved that. And so I was like, yeah, I'd love to teach. And he's like, okay, great. Uh, Let's have you teach. And I was like, but I got to be honest. Like, I'm only going to come on the Sundays when I teach. And the Sundays when I don't teach, I'm still going to be going to other religions. And he was like, okay, that's fine. And I was like, awesome. And I had, like, a little bit of hope, honestly. I was like, oh, maybe I can, like make this work. Maybe I can help the church change from the inside oh. while also visiting these other religions and gaining their knowledge and different things. And I was like, maybe this could work. And I was kind of like hopeful. Uh, and there, and then the next Sunday um, I got a call from the stake president and he asked to meet with me. And so I went in, and sorry do you have anything you want to like say i feel like i've just been talking a long time
0: <laughs> oh no i'm i'm like i have questions that pertain to your your story as it's unraveling but i'm in cool th- I'm in th- oh, th- do you, you want to hit me
1: with any right now do you want me to just keep going
0: um you might get into it but i mean i'm interested like in some of these religions that you explored and mm. during your experiment but i do want to see how this this plays out
1: okay okay cool um so, a uh, sick president called me in, and um, he sat me down, and we started talking, and it was honestly like a really like cool and like good discussion. And he asked me about uh, if I believe in the Book of Mormon, and I was like, I believe there's a lot of truth in there, and there's a lot of great things in there. And he was like, okay, but is the book true? And I was like, I mean, there's a lot of truth in it, like, for sure. And he's like, do you believe that every word of this book is true? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, then how are you supposed to teach Sunday school about this book if you don't believe in it? And I was like, well, I just told you, I believe in a lot of it. So I'll teach the parts that I believe in. And he was like, okay. And he opened it up. He opened up his book of Mormon and he read a verse. And it was something along the lines of like, um, said something about like, if you are not baptized, you will be thrust down to hell. Like it wasn't those words, but it was that sentiment. it was roughly that. And he goes, do you believe that? And I was like, no. And he was like, okay so then what are you going to do when you're teaching and you get to like this part and i was like read me the verses around it i'm sure i can find something that i'll like and i'll just teach those things like because ultimately the most important thing is love and i don't feel like we emphasize that enough and so that's what like i want to to teach is love i want to have like this really big emphasis on us getting better at loving ourselves loving god and loving others and and up until that point, there's uh, there's one verse in the Book of Mormon that I was just like holding on to, that I was clinging to. And it was Moroni 7 something. Um, it talks about uh, love and charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, love is, or charity is the pure love of Christ. He that is found with charity at the last day, it shall be well with him. For all things must be. Fail, But charity never fails. And I just like I love those verses so much. And that was like my testimony of like the Book of Warren and the church was like being held up by those verses. And so I read those verses or quoted them to the state president. And I was like, that's what I want to teach. Like those are my favorite verses. And the state president goes, well, if you love those verses, or if you like those verses, then you're going to love Hebrews 11. And I was like, What well, what's Hebrews 11? And he opens up, and I think it was Hebrews 11. It might not have been. Uh, I can't remember exactly. But he opens up his Bible, Hebrews 11, and he reads it. And it's roughly the same thing, except said better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm um and I, I i thought that those words were so unique that Joseph Smith had translate like mm-hmm. those verses were just so beautiful and all of a sudden i realized that he had just pulled those verses from Hebrews 11 <laughs> and the stake president didn't know it but in that moment he shattered my testimony (laughs) in that moment it all came crashing down and i was like none of it's true (laughs) the best part was just all the best parts were just listed from the Bible. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. It's not true. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And I didn't tell him, but the state president just wrecked my testimony in that moment. And that whole drive home, I just laughed so hard. I was like, he, he ruined it. <laughs> like, president, you broke it. <laughs> like, and it was just like I mean it was obviously a super painful thing also, but I just couldn't help but laugh that oh man, it had it had gone down like that. Um <laughs> and that was that was the last oh, the state president told me I could go teach Sunday school that day because I was supposed to teach that afternoon. And he's like, You can go teach this afternoon. Go teach them about love. Um just like you've taught me, but um, but um then I can't have you teach after that. Uh-huh. And so I was like, okay. And I went and I taught this lesson about love and the bishop was in there and the elephant president was in there. And it was kind of this like interesting chess match throughout that discussion where I was trying to teach about love and they kept emphasizing the law we need the law and at one point i was like you know what's interesting is that when christ was on the earth he tried to teach about love and the pharisees really tried to emphasize the law like that's what they were all about the law like you have to obey you have to do these certain things whereas christ his main focus was the love and that's what i'm trying to do Mm -hmm. with this lesson is just focus on the love (laughs) and i was hoping that that would kind of deter the bishop and eqp but uh it didn't <laughs> i just kind of kept at it and mm-hmm. yeah and that was the last time i like went to church alone um like going with my family and i'm home and yeah. stuff like that but uh-huh. yeah that was, that was the last time
0: do you plan on like removing your name from the records ever or it's not really um
1: not not really the only I, I mean part of me wants to just to kinda of send a message to the church that it's mm-hmm. not working. You need to make some changes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um but uh but I think my mom would cry a lot and so mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. So I just don't.
0: Yeah. What was the... uh I,
1: I I like saying that I'm a member. I, I like saying like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm still Mormon. Okay. Because that way I can still like talk to people who are mormon and be like hey let me give you like my perspective on it mm. whereas if i say like yeah i have my name room from the church so all people just close off and they don't mm. want to talk to you anymore you know
0: do you make the distinction of like uh, culturally mormon or like versus active yeah
1: yeah that mm. i was raised mormon and that i don't go anymore
0: but mm. yeah I'm
1: still technically
0: mm-hmm I mean, you had had all of these positive, ex- like, experiences with your, like, you know, experimentation process, um, but you did mm-hmm. mention, obviously, it's still painful to have, a, like, a testimony completely shattered, especially mm-hmm. by a stake president. That's got to be yeah kind of so <laughs> surreal. Um, yeah. Kind of, what was the, the most difficult part for you?
1: Um, it was definitely just going home, uh-huh. being around my family. Um, that Christmas when I went home, I was, I was just, I was just really in like a experimental state still where I was Mm -hmm. just like, yeah, maybe there is a God, maybe there isn't a God. And I wasn't sure. And around Christmas time, I was really like, I don't think there's a God, at at least uh, there is something, but I don't think it's like God, like I think. And so then being home for Christmas. And, like, for like, telling the story of Jesus' birth. And I was like, oh, frick, I don't think I believe any of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. And so, and it was just, uh, there's just, like, this huge elephant in the room the whole time mm-hmm. I was home. Where, like, my family knew that I was out. But no one really wanted to talk with me about it. Anytime we talked about it, I always had to bring it up. And mm-hmm. they always just kind of didn't seem stoked to talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... That was for sure the hardest part about leaving was just trying to still get along with my family and yeah. everything. Uh-huh. And that, that's still the hardest part, honestly, is. is just trying to make it, um, help my family see that I'm not evil.
0: Mm.
1: Like that's honestly like a, mm-hmm. it's constantly on my mind is how can I convince them that I am following God still. Yeah, And that this is what I'm doing, what he or she wants me to do, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um,
0: I would probably stop drinking the alcoholic coffee in front of them. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When I was, when I went home this last Christmas, I asked my mom if I could make coffee Mm. while I was home. And she told me I could make it in the back of the barn. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? That's progress. Like, she's becoming a little more okay with me. Like, so great. I'll make it in the back of the barn. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. Yeah, because I just, I I still want to be myself around my family. I don't want Mm -hmm. to become a two faced person where I'm. I present myself one way in front of them and one way not. And so that's why I'm like, just really trying to be like, Hey, can I drink coffee in front of you? Like, Mm. are we okay with that? Or like, I just, I want to continue to be myself in front of them. And that's what makes it so such a hard thing. And I know that's hard for them too. You know, I, I, I don't, they think that I'm, I don't know that I could be damning myself to outer darkness, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, so that's gotta be so sad for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel that. And, and I think that it's so sad that they, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like trying to word this carefully.
0: Yeah.
1: It's sad to think that they believe in a God who is a God that is love. And at the same time, his best plan causes some of his children to burn in hell forever. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like. <laughs> If God is love, how in the world would that be the best plan he could come up with? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy to me. And I
0: don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, that is a, an interesting point that you raised, though. Like the church kind of lacking in love and kind of just focusing more on the law and, you know, checklists, sort of, you know, mm-hmm. um, and maybe not, you know, not even cognizantly perhaps, right? But mm-hmm. as you were, like, checking out other, like, faiths and religions, um, what was your impression of their messages?
1: Um, I really loved, I still do love uh, Buddhism and that realm. I love meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's something super powerful there. one thing that was really cool that happened was you know my whole life i was trying to have a relationship with god Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and and i was i was trying so hard and i thought that the reason why i couldn't have a great relationship with him was because i couldn't stop masturbating (laughs) and i was like if i could just get a handle on this one thing is there like a pun there? I don't yeah, know. possibly.
0: <laughs>
1: if I could just stop this one thing, if I could just stop being a sexual being, um, then I could have a relationship with God. Um, and and I mean, I still felt like I did have a relationship with God, but the the uh, the level that it's changed since I've left is just incredible. Um, it felt like. I had a middleman in between me and God for 30 years, you know, like it felt like anything I said to God, I, I kind of went through this middleman and anything God said to me also had to be filtered through this middleman where I would filter it through the church and be like, well, I feel like God's telling me this, but that's different than what the church teaches. So that must be wrong, you know? And then all of a sudden I, I took out the middleman and then it was just me and God, and it was just like, okay, I don't, I don't have anything else. I don't have anyone else. God is just me and you, and like my, my view of what God was, kind of, and still is today, is just that I have like an inner light. I have something within me, and as I go inward, I find, I find this light, and it's, it's love. It's God, I don't I don't know exactly how to describe it, but um I read a lot of things from uh Ramdas. Mm-hmm. Ramdas is like one of my homies. Um uh Pete Holmes, the comedian, introduced me to Ramdas and uh he focuses a lot on like going within. I read a book called Mary Magdalene Revealed and it talked about uh there's a book that Mary Magdalene there's a gospel according to Mary Magdalene that was discovered and, uh, that didn't make it into the Bible, but it was written around that same time period by Mary Magdalene. And, in the, it, she emphasizes go within to find Christ mm. to like, he is within you. I remember one morning I like woke up and I like, just had like that thought on my mind. And all of a sudden I was like, I need to watch that scene from Lion King. And, like, I pulled up my phone, and I was like, Lion King scene, and that part where, like, Rafiki tells Simba, he's within you, like, that hit me so hard, and I just, like, cried, and it was the most beautiful – it was, like, such a beautiful moment, and I was just, like – and I keep having these, like, beautiful moments where I just, like, find God within me, and it's so empowering, and it's so – beautiful and i'm just like oh my gosh this is this is the stuff that i've been looking for my whole life and like and and god doesn't feel like i'm unworthy and he doesn't you know want like want to punish me and tell me i can't take the sacrament or anything like that like he is a god of love and inclusion not a god of punishment and exclusion and that was just such a beautiful thing to discover i kind of just ran all over the place with that answer
0: (laughs) no man, that's that's awesome that's i was thinking to myself i was like man i really kind of admire this guy's ability to see beauty in in so many places
1: thanks man yeah Yeah, and that's that's what's been like just so crazy to me is just how much more beautiful the world has become you know i think Mm -hmm. i lean pretty heavily on the fact of like oh yeah i'm like I'm suffering in the church, you know, mm. trying so hard to to change this, like, this part of me. I was struggling so hard for so long. And then when I left, I was able to just, like, love that part of me. Mm. Like, I love the sexual part of Jake, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need to, like, hate that part of me anymore and try and, like, smush it down and squander it squelch it oh, <laughs> squelch a word <laughs> i don't know i can i can just like love that part of me and still obviously i have to like try and control that part of me mm-hmm. but um uh, but i'm able to do it in a much more loving way where i'm not punishing myself or being punished if i'm not perfect
0: hmm. have, have you had a cheeseburger
1: oh good (laughs) question i have had a cheeseburger man and yeah thank you and it was great (laughs) it was a great experience and it was another just beautiful experience and like um where i i didn't feel awful about it i actually i mean i i prayed that night i thanked god that night for the experience and it was it was great and like i didn't feel like god was angry at me or leaving me or anything like i he was right there you know
0: and it was great nice (laughs) night all right man well uh we kind of run in i think we're maybe about at that hour mark um, is there anything I haven't asked that you wanted to get into, or any kind of uh, final advice that you wanted to offer—general advice, transition advice?
1: Um. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, uh. Yeah. Ask me. Uh. What I think the plan of salvation is now. <laughs>
0: What do you think the the plan of salvation is now?
1: Ooh, great question. Um, <laughs> uh, the plan of salvation—it's uh, kind of funny. When I was home, like just over Thanksgiving, I uh, told my family I was like, "Hey, I want to tell you guys what I think the plan of salvation is now," and they were like, "Oh, uh, okay." And I was like, um, "I feel like you guys don't want to hear it. Like, I don't know. Do you want me to just like email it to you?" And they're like yeah yeah just email it to us
0: <laughs>
1: i was like okay it's just so funny that like just don't want to like hear about mm-hmm. what i believe you know <laughs> like it's like they're so scared that i'm gonna say something that would change their view and then could potentially land them where i am which is mm-hmm. a beautiful wonderful loving place mm-hmm. but they don't they're scared of it. Oh, no. <laughs> They're great. My family's so dope. I want to like mm-hmm. emphasize that. Freaking those guys. Anyways, um, plan of salvation now. Um, I think that, you know, God is love. And, uh, God was, uh, sent us here to figure out how to love each other and love ourselves. And, and that's why we're, that that's it. Like that's that's life. If you can get good at loving yourself and get good at loving others, like I know Christ said also love God. Um, and uh, a lot of people think like, oh yeah, I love God. How do you do that? Well, God said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But that verse is actually translated incorrectly. The, a more accurate translation of that verse, if you look at the direct Greek translation, is, if ye love me, then you will keep my commandments. So it's not you keep the commandments in order to show God that you love Him. It's you love God, and when you love God, you will just naturally keep His commandments. Which, in my opinion, that's that's, that's how it is. If you if you love love, if God is love, you know, and you love love, <laughs> and you love loving yourself, you love loving others, and you just like try and love the world around you just love man the beatles had it figured out all you need is love (laughs) um okay but so god is love and i think that god was so clever that he worked in our purpose into every religion like this life isn't about finding which one is the one Recognizing like what did God weave in all of them, I think that's where you'll find the answer, and it's love, God wove love through every religion, and even people who are atheists. If you ask them like what's the purpose of life uh, I'm not assuming not all of them, but a lot of them will say, "Just be a good person like that's that's loving right there and and so God it was so clever that he even worked in the purpose in atheists. check that out, like what a clever awesome. It being that is mm-hmm. that was able to to do that and i think that if if there is a christ which i choose to believe that there is a christ i believe that christ was a prophet buddha was a prophet um, uh, ramdas was a prophet um and uh i think that if the christ does come again i think that the thing that would make christ the most stoked is if Christ showed up and everyone loved each other like everyone just loosened up their grip on who's right and who's wrong in a religious sense and they firmed up their grip on let's just love each other let's not worry so much about who's right let's just love each other like I think that that would make Christ the most stoked like if he came down and everyone's just like you know we've let down, we've put down our walls about who's right and who's wrong And we're just loving each other. Like, I think that would make Christ so freaking happy. And I think that's the key to all of us being happy. And so I'm actually working on a documentary right now about love and how love is a skill that we can all get better at and how we can all get better at it. And so,
0: yeah, if anyone
1: wants to help me with that documentary who's listening,
0: hit me up. (laughs) How can they do that?
1: Uh, good question. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Jake Christensen. There's like, uh, 5,000 Jake Christensen's on there. Uh, my Instagram account is yep, Jake C. So, Y-E-P, Jake C. And, yeah, anyone can hit me up on there. My phone number is (laughs)
0: 208-951. All right, well, I love that, man. I've uh, enjoyed this conversation a lot, Jake. Thanks for agreeing to come on and share your story. Um, I hope you had fun. I hope it was beneficial in some way. And one last thing I'll need from you, though, I'm going to be hitting you up for some old missionary pictures if you've got them.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I I can find some of those. Also, I just want to tell you, like, your voice, you have a great voice. Like, your voice, there's kind of this, like, sultry tone to it. Like, I feel like you could do a podcast that's, like, a meditation podcast so easily. Like, and people would, like, love it. Like, you're great at this podcast, too. I'm not saying don't do this, do that, but you should also consider doing a meditation podcast because your voice is just, like, (laughs) so soothing and, like, uh...
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh thank you jake i, <laughs> yeah, think, man. We'll, I think we'll close there <laughs> but this will be a lot yeah, of fun uh will this go out in about two weeks or so i'll send you the link and uh yeah don't be a stranger if you ever want to chat some more i'm here all right man. all right thanks, thanks lot, again Devin, no worries man. have a good night bye all right
1: dude you too see ya
0: Focal Point Podcast for the Focal Point Cinema and Sound Company.